welcome into the top of the key. My name is Kaz Minoj. On this episode, we're going to be covering the game ones of the Eastern Western Conference Finals, the NBA playoffs. Let's go. So we're going to be skipping um, on uh, skipping the whole discussion on the draft lottery. Um, I think that a lot of people already talked about the New Orleans Pelicans winning the this year's number one draft pick. Going to be presumably taking Zion Williamson. Williamson. There's going to be a lot of discussion for that. We may be doing a, a full draft preview, uh, at least the lottery picks once the season's over. But I don't. I, I kind of want to push that aside for the offseason, wait for that to come um, ahead because we're going to stick to the playoffs, focusing on the games that actually were being played, you know, by actual NBA players. Um, we're going to start off with last night's game. Start off early, I'm going to start off last night's game, Toronto versus Milwaukee. Heading into this game, we were very, I was very excited to see how, how Milwaukee was going to go up against this Toronto team. This was the first true test that I think that we were going to see from, from Milwaukee. I know that we talked a lot about about Boston. They have how about the defense that they play is qual, is of a qual, high quality team, uh, and would make you think that they were a ta- going to be a challenging team for Milwaukee. But in that series, we saw it, it just wasn't really. I mean, aside from Game One when Milwaukee came off a very long stretch um, following their sweep of the Detroit Pistons in Round One, they sort of got caught off guard in, in Game One. Boston was able to jump out and get that grab that win, but once they were able to get back into their mode back into their system they were able to start it was able to get their defense back in rhythm and able to and able to put that series away for what it was nothing really serious from the milwaukee bucks um ending that series 4-1 and heading into the series heading into this series um with the toronto raptors they had another one week off before this game went against the Raptors, who are coming off that amazing Game Seven against the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday on Sunday night, um, there's a lot of questions about whether or not the Milwaukee Bucks are going to have a repeat of Game One against Boston, whether or not that rest was going to be an issue for them. Whereas for Toronto, sort of the same sort of the same idea, but narrative was sort of the opposite. Will they struggle in Game One because of the lack of rest um, for them after after Sunday night's game, especially when you consider how much they relied in game seven and throughout that series on Kawhi Leonard um throughout that game it really felt like Kawhi was having to carry that team as we mentioned before in the last podcast 16 of 39 from the field 39 shots from Kawhi Leonard a career high by far the only other player really able to score points for that Toronto team was Serge Ibaka and one of the things that we noticed about this Milwaukee team throughout this regular throughout the regular season and throughout the playoffs is that their best despite all the things that we talked about their defense their length how great it is really in all honesty the main thing for them is just you cannot stop them from scoring they scored over 110 points in every single in 105 points over every single game of the playoffs this year against some Decent defense from from Milwaukee from Boston, solid defense from Boston, and then obviously terrible defense in the Detroit, Detroit Pistons, just having nothing they can do to stop this Bucks team. But it was going to be interesting to see for me whether or not this Toronto team could hold off the Milwaukee Bucks, could showcase themselves as the first true test for 
uh, the true first defense for um, Milwaukee in this Eastern Conference in this Eastern Conference, or will the Milwaukee offense be that good? Will they overrun the Toronto defense that is also up to the up to the quality of the Milwaukee team? Um, and will Toronto and will they be able to just choke the Toronto Raptors out? Um, in this first quarter, we notice a completely unexpected, at least for me, in terms of how it came out, because Toronto was on fire in this first half. Kyle Lowry, Marcus Salt, Pascal Siakam, Kawhi, um, not Kawhi Leonard, didn't make a sh- uh, three points, but Norman Powell even came off the bench for, for a couple of threes. Everyone was hitting their shots for this Toronto team in the first half, whereas Milwaukee was not able to get it going um, in the first half. Mo- Toronto putting up 59 points on this Milwaukee team comparing to their 51 points um, heading into the break with an eight-point lead, which even then was pretty low for how the Toronto Raptors had been having their lead for most of this first half at around ten, about eight to 13 points at the highest it was um, early on in that second in that first quarter they played a really fantastic game pumping the uh, pumping the pace up something that we were not really expecting to see from the from the Toronto team because of how well Milwaukee is in the fast break especially specifically Giannis I was n- really not expecting to see Toronto be so active um, in term uh, be so active in terms of wanting to increase the pace of the game, increase the tempo, creating, having more shots up, having, ha- really catch, trying to catch this Milwaukee team off guard. Um, and I think that we saw a lot in some, many ways, a repeat performance from Milwaukee in their game one from Boston, from the Boston series specifically, where they just came in a little sluggish, a little lethargic off of a one week break. Um, coaches oftentimes discuss how they love this break, this time to get it's time to prepare for the next series. Time to over, time to create plans and create ideas. But it seemed that from the players' perspective, what their point is true, uh, rang true in this game one and in the game one from the last series, that they just want to get going. They just want to move into the next series. They don't like this time off because then it gets them allows them time to rest and not get them back into it. It takes that first quarter to get back into the mode of hot of that high pressure defense and everything. And we really saw that in this first quarter from Toronto as they put up 34 points in that first quarter. Um, Milwaukee was on, the, on their side really was not able to really get it going, especially Eric Bledsoe. Zero points in that first half for him. He was really one of the most He's really one of the more important players on this team in terms of his aggressiveness. When he's w- crashing into the paint and driving t- shots and driving for the layup, um, he really can help create shots for other players because aside from Giannis they really don't have other players that can drive to the hoop as a score as scorer Chris Middleton's more of a mid-range to three-point run around in three-point range running around off picks off screens um off ball and then catching and shooting that's more of his game he can create on the I can create with the ball in his hand and when he catches it uh, from time to time but it's more so catching his defender off guard when they're convinced that Chris Middleton's going to take the jump shot um Brooke Lopez is well he can obviously do work on the block but for the most part of his career um with this milwaukee team in his nine months of his career for the milwaukee team he's been activated mostly as a shooter on the outside and obviously is and it's, um same thing for players like nikola miritich irson eliasova off the bench pat Connaughton more of a slasher um the return and george hill also as well mainly just a shooter off the bench or a little bit of a slashing guy malcolm brogdon coming back into the rotation today really excited to see him play after he was able to get game five um a few minutes of uh, 
in, under his belt in the last series for um, Milwaukee, coming back in one of the most important players for this team. Um, really excited to see how he's how he was going to come into this game. And in that first half, it was just in general not able to this team in general for Milwaukee was not able to get going. Um, down by eight though at the end of the first half. Um, thanks in large part to the fact that while Toronto got it going in the first quarter. They weren't able to really sustain it in the second quarter. They kind of just let it, they kind of just tried to, they kind of seemed to just run with Milwaukee. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard was getting his points, but it really did not feel like um, the other players were able to step up from what they bursting open in the first quarter. Marcus Saul hit two early three-pointers and then started to fade off Pascal Siakam as well. Continued to find open shots in the corner and around the arc. Could not get it going. He was, fifth, he was six of 20 from the field in the whole game, two of nine from downtown. Marcus Saul, uh, two of 11 from the field, two of seven from downtown in this whole game really these two players really struggling after the first quarter whereas Kyle Lowry was really just on fire this whole game 30 points 10 of 15 7 of 9 from downtown really a fantastic job by him to get his uh to get his play back up something that I was I'd hope to see from him I really hope to see opponents like this and I was really excited to see this happen but we did not really see the indications that this was going to come for him from him to um, in this series because of how poorly he had played throughout the playoffs, uh, especially near the end of that Philadelphia series, how poor he how poor he was from the field and shooting. And we started to speculate whether or not he was injured, whether or not his age was catching up, whether or not his fitness was up to the par. But he was really fantastic in this game one. And really, for the most part, I felt like this was Toronto's chance to really snag a game. Um, this was the this was the chance of Toronto. They built it up in the, sec in the first half to make it seem like that. And even into the third quarter, they were able to hold on to their lead. They ended that quarter with a seven. They ended the uh, second the third quarter with a six point lead as they entered into the, as they entered into the fourth quarter um, really was uh, really was questionable whether or not Milwaukee was going to get back in, was, was going to be able to as take back the lead, but the poor shooting from some of the other, from, from the aforementioned Marcus all um, and Pac Marcus and Pascal Siakam, um, even Danny Green not able to get his shot going for the most part. The poor play from some of the other players on the, on the Toronto team was, was indicative to them, losing their lead and eventually losing this game as Milwaukee was able to finally get it going in that third in that fourth quarter Eric Bledsoe was able to drive and get some buckets in he did not make a single three-pointer in the game but he did finally get nine points that second half three of 12 from the field so I mean it's nine is better than nothing uh, Chris Middleton as well 11 points four of 12 from the field one of six from downtown did hit his first three of the first and only three of the game in the fourth quarter um, for the main part though really it was down to Brooke Lopez his his quality play in that second half, 29 points in total, 12 of 21 from the field, eight, 4 of 11 from downtown. So you notice that um, something that was different in this game than how he's played for most of his time with the Milwaukee Bucks was that he was also able to utilize his skills inside the arc as well. His ability to shoot. His willing, his extreme willingness to shoot, unlike play, some of the other Toronto players um, from downtown, uh, specifically Marc Gasol, you noticed in the second half, was a little bit more reluctant to shoot from downtown when he was open, mainly because he was miss missing a couple, mainly because he went cold uh, after missing after making a couple early ones. Whereas Brooke Lopez, it seems like he's just willing to go. It doesn't matter how if he miss, if he misses eleven in a row, he has got the willingness to shoot, very similar to what a, sh a career shooter, three point shooter would be like a clay thompson like a steph curry like a ray allen for him um 
it felt it really feels like Brooke Lopez thinks of himself as a three-point shooter, as the main three-point option for this team outside of Chris Middleton and and obviously Nikola Mirotic. Um, it really and it's really and we really saw just how important that was to their team because while he didn't make the shots, while his team in general did not make many threes. Um, Outside of himself, 4 of 11, and Malcolm Brogdon, 3 of 6 from downtown. Aside from those two, the rest of the team, really, no one else scored, more, made more than 1-3, and no one else made made their percentages at a higher than 33%. Um, really, 11 of 44 from the three-point line overall. So while they're getting those shots up, they weren't able to make them. But the fact that they're able to put those shots up willingly and get those shots up, did affect the the Toronto team because then they had they had to at least respect it they had to at least stretch out which then allowed Brooke to then move around Marcus Gasol who's at not quite as quick as Brooke Lopez it seems like in this series um, and was able to get himself going to the hoop and to the rim um, and get some easy shots in there Giannis as well continued to do his bit continued to get to the free throw line 24 points 14 rebounds and six assists two steals and three blocks a fantastic game from Giannis Antetokounmpo did commit five turnovers, did shoot below 50%, and did, and, and so he did have some some issues here and there. Um, but for the most part, for Milwaukee, they have to be really, really happy with how they came away with this win. Um, a fantastic job by them, and especially from Giannis defensively on the opposite side. Whereas for for Milwaukee, for Toronto's sake, you got to really think that this was their chance. I mean, you're, how many other games are you going to get with Kyle Lowry shooting 7 of 9 from three-point line, 30 points in a game in 40 minutes? How many other games are you going to get from that? I get that Serge Ibaka did not play well. Also, only four points, two of six on the field. I get that Danny Green did not shoot well after his, after making, um, did not shoot well. I understand that Marcus All could not continue um, his early makes, two of 11 from the field. And I understand that Pascal Siakam, for all his quality playing the regular season, was not able to score efficiently in this game. 15 points, six of 20 from the field, two of nine from downtown. But in the end, I got to think that this was the game. You caught Mil Milwaukee sleeping in that first quarter. You caught them really being playing lethargic and, le and flat-footed in this game throughout this half. You sh you made more three-pointers than the uh, than the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, 15 of 42 from the three-point line. Toronto was, despite the fact, the, despite the issues that Marcus Gasol and Pascal Siakam shot um, had with from downtown and Danny Green and even Kawhi Leonard, who was 10 of 26 on the field, having issues with being guarded by Martin by. Um, by um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You really didn't feel like this was the chance, though, at the end of the day for Toronto to get that win because they were right there. They were right there even in the fourth quarter trying to keep up with them. But the fact that... But without the help that um Kawhi Leonard needs um in order to get this... In order for them to win, if he's not able to get that help outside of a maybe one shooter in Kyle Lowry. You can't you can't win a game against this Milwaukee team when only three players score double digit points. Only Pascal Siakam was the third highest scorer despite shooting 30% from the field. And you need to have a full team effort, at least five players getting into double digits. You, the Toronto Raptors definitely need Marcus Gasol, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, and Norma, and some of the other bench players to step on up and make some shots. Um, it's really going to be difficult for them if they're shooting worse than t Milwaukee, despite shooting better from the three-point line, did shoot worse overall, 37% from the field compared to Milwaukee's 39.8% 
from the field. Milwaukee got more free throws. Milwaukee shot, made more shots, and they also got more rebounds. They beat. They really ripped on the Raptors on the rebounding side, 46 to 60 on in favor of Milwaukee, especially on the offensive side. Eight offensive rebounds for Toronto compared to 15 from the Bucks. Four for Brook Lopez, four for Giannis, and three for Nikola Mirotic, who in his 24 minutes did his bit. Three of nine from the field, one of six from downtown. Really poor numbers efficiency wise in the field, but got bulk of his from his um, of his points on the free throw line. Six to six from the line with his six rebounds to go. Um, 13 points in 24 minutes. Did his bit. Did his job. Um, but I think the really the especially one of the key cogs from Milwaukee is the fact that they brought is the fact that Malcolm Brogdon was able to come back and play exactly to a T what he's done all season long up until his injury. 15 points in 26 minutes, five and nine from the field, three of six from downtown as we mentioned before, three assists as well off the bench, a plus 18, the highest in the whole game. This was really just a Another reminder to how deep this Milwaukee team is, how important how important he is, um, Brockton is to this team because he because of his ability to switch on to any player position from one to three, even some of the smaller. If you play some of the like a small like a a small forward at the four, if you're gonna place um maybe I I guess if you're gonna place Kawhi Leonard at the four, you could ostensibly have a allow for um brogdon to be switched on to him in the in, due to the switching and pick and roll and, and switching and pick and rolls um if you get that situation where brogdon's on a four you're not going to be feeling so scared that you have to double team him despite the fact that he's a point guard he's a six five around 200 pounds big guy a big point guard a big guard that can play and run with the guys actually he's 229 oh my goodness did i realize he's actually that mu- he's got that much muscle on him uh he's a big guy he's <laughs> he's not a small point he is not a small guard who's Despite the fact that you think that you may think of that of him as that um, being that he's a point guard, but no, he can hold his own on the on the block and in the paint. Um, and from Milwaukee's perspective, just to have just to be able to bring back another player like that, a player uh, a player that size and skill defensively with the smarts off uh, and with the smarts on both sides of the court and shooting capability that Mark, Malcolm Brogdon has, and to do and to see him come in and not miss a beat from where he was in the regular season is just I mean it's a, it's a coach's dream. Budenholzer has to be head over heels with how Brogdon played in that game one. It's just got to be the biggest sigh of relief to see him come back and you see him like execute the game plan and execute it to a T to what his system is um, for Brogdon, what his expectations are on how you expect him to play and hope he plays. Um, to see him have that performance was was a really a blessing. Was really a fantastic um, uh, sign for, of things to come for this Milwaukee team. Looking ahead for Toronto you really got to think that they need to they need to get going they need to be able to the the, the idea for what they had in this game was perfect um picking at the in terms of picking at the pace trying to get it trying to get shots up early in the shot clock prevent the Milwaukee Bucks to get set on defense in general I'm against this I this natural idea especially against a high off a uh, high defensive team it sort of goes it does go against the grain of what you would think of what you should do against a quality defensive team, but because of their length um, being being their main aspect for Milwaukee and their defensive awareness, um, because of these two aspects of them, it makes it such that 
Um, the idea of picking it up quickly on the offensive end and taking early jump shots, early three-point shots for Toronto, it, it showed in the first. It showed in the first half. It was effective, and if they can make their shots and get it going, if the other players can pick up the slack, if even if Kyle Lowry does does take a step back, which he most surely will, I can bet you he will not make seven of nine from downtown another game and i i really don't think so um but if some of the other players like sergi baka fred van vliet even danny green microsoft pascal siakam some of these guys can get going efficiently and make their shots consistently not just for a first quarter not just for a first half they need to consistently do it because 100 points despite uh, 100 points in today's game against this milwaukee team isn't going to cut it 100 points is not going to cut it. you need to get up to 115 120 even and that's going to be a very difficult thing to do when you're relying mainly on if you're going to be relying just on Kawhi and a, just a, a stupid good performance from kyle lowry you're not going to be able to get those numbers up and it's a very difficult thing for it's a very weird thing to think of the game like that where you're just looking at it as a numbers and points thing but against a team as that is so good offensively and as so good offensively and so versatile offensively as Milwaukee you really just got to think about it at that uh, in that sense it really hurts it may hurt the game in terms of how um you develop some of the other uh, some of the younger players uh for the in terms of that aspect but when you're talking about the playoffs you just got to talk about wins and right now for Toronto they got have any chance of winning they got to think about the offensive end primarily more so than to try to stop this Milwaukee team because this was what the perfect game for Mil- for Toronto was. This was the picture-perfect S game. Everyone shot below 50% from the Milwaukee Bucks, except for Brooke Lopez, Ariston Eliasova, and Malcolm Brockton. That is three players of the nine players in the Milwaukee team that shot that shot below fifty of the that play that shot below fifty percent. You had George Hill 0 for six scoreless in the game. You had Pat Connaughton 0 of two scoreless in his ten minutes. George Hill played twenty seven minutes and didn't score a single point. You had Chris Middleton, the killer uh, shooter, eleven points, four of twelve from the field. Eric Bledsoe was scoreless in the first half, nine points in, in total. Even Giannis was having a little bit of struggles at the rim. 24.7 of 16 from the field and Mirotic even one of six from downtown three of nine as we mentioned before so this this Toronto team is going to win this is exactly what they're going to get this is the best they're going to get because I can bet you while they may not get the same exact scoring performance from Chris Middleton you're going to get a better scoring performance from Giannis Attentacumpo you're going to get a better scoring performance from Eric Bledsoe you may even get a scoring better scoring performance from George Hill who has had 20 plus point performances for this Bucks team in this playoff series in this playoff run so and also of course from chris middleton so i don't know i mean there were positives for toronto to look at for this game uh in terms of where they what they can take carrying forward but on the other side i really got to be scared for toronto i really did not think that this is this was a game that they could let slip because of how poorly milwaukee was shooting in the first half this was really i would be kind of scared if i was a toronto Raptors fan that maybe this milwaukee team could just run through this toronto team now i don't want to obviously it's just game one it is just game one maybe this actually becomes a consistency for milwaukee maybe chris middleton eric bledsoe nickel and maritage maybe these guys do struggle for the rest of the series but on the other side also 
Maybe for Toronto, Pascal Siakam and Marcus Gasol continue to struggle as they had for the rest of this playoffs. So whether or not this stays to form and whether or not this whether or not the stays to form is gonna be a key thing for Toronto. And if Milwaukee continues to struggle, Toronto needs to take advantage of that and get those points up on the board because I don't see this Milwaukee team, despite their struggles, being being able to be held below a hundred points as they showed in this game, winning the game 108 to 100. Um, now we're gonna move on that uh, game next game for them will be tomorrow night at 8 30 game two um over on tnt i believe yes correct tnt has the eastern conference this year um now moving on to the western conference in the hands of the in the hands of espn um which is the the portland trailblazers and the golden state warriors game one between these two teams was a lot closer than what the final score of 116 to 94 would lead you to believe toronto portland had a very small lead at the very beginning of the game um before golden state took over the lead midway through the first quarter and never gave it back portland was able to consistently try and hold this and bring the lead and sustain it within below 10 points throughout this game thanks in mainly part um to the overall of the scoring they had they had five players scoring in double digits maurice harkless with 17 points enos Cantor with 10 points cj mccollum 17 D- damian lillard 19 rodney hood 17 however with all these numbers um um, scoring you with and um, in terms of balanced offense and scoring well, and seemingly scoring well, you would think that Portland, hey, they they shot well from the field. Uh, that's 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 a little bit misleading. They shot 30 of 83 from the field for 36 percent, seven of 28 from downtown for 25 percent. Did score a lot from the free throw line, 27 of 31 from the free throw line. Consistently got there and was able to consistently get points from there um, and consistently utilize to that advantage. Also was able to crowd, utilize their um, size on the board, 16 offensive rebounds and got 47 in total but their issues with their issues with their efficiency and their issues with the turnover rate seven turnovers for Damian Lillard four turnovers for Enos Cantor CJ McCollum with three as well 21 turnovers as a whole team really did not do a good job of taking care of the ball and and some of the issues that they had defensively in terms of control and some of the defensive schemes and ideas and tactics that they had in trying to attempt to control the Warriors completely failed completely failed the Warriors it took essentially it took a loose essentially just played what they did um in game six against the rap against the rockets they use a very deep bench went all the way down they used utilized their utilized players like alfonso mckinney sean livingston jordan bell quinn cook jonas jarebko went all the way down to 11 throughout this game giving them solid minutes and they all were able to make their shots they shot 50 percent from the field 42 of 84 from the field 17 of 33 from downtown led by obviously stephen curry who had a fantastic performance especially late on that fourth quarter with some of the most ridiculous three-point shots i've ever seen 36 points 12 of 23 from the field 9 of 15 from downtown seven assists six rebounds a fantastic performance from stephen curry along with this splash brothers clay thompson 26 
26 points, 10 of 24 from the field, 3 of 9 from downtown, 3 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks as well from Clay Thompson. A fantastic performance in hit with him um, defending some of the best guards on in the planet on the on the Portland Trailblazers. Um, but for, the, for them, in the most part, they kind of essentially listened to what I had said about 10 seconds ago in terms of you can't win a game when you're only having three players in double digits. Well, this rap Warriors team did. 12 points from from Draymond Green was the only other person in double digits as they were able, but they were still able to get multiple good scoring performances from their bench players and from the other side players as well. Um, really, everyone put everyone able to pitch in, and when you get a performance like that, that opens the things up for other players, for the star players, if, if your bench players and your role players can perform and do well. I really was impressed by the way that the Warriors play in terms of just, hey, they went, they traded this like a, a like almost like a regular season game. They played it normally, they played it calmly. They didn't, they did not, they took care of the ball for the most part in terms of their standards. 14 turnovers for them is pretty good for them. Uh, did create 13 steals, committed eight blocks as well, and did a crash on the boards for them in respect to them. 11 rebounds on the offensive side, 42 in total. Um, some of the things that we did notice from this. Warriors from um, in terms of tactics on the defensive end, we noticed a weird aspect from the Warriors that they really a really harsh double whenever Cantor got the ball on the block in the first half. But and Cantor was able to utilize that and able to find some wing player, able to find cutters to the basket and find open shooters. And a lot of the times when they were able to get to the basket, Portland was able to get that call from the free throw to the uh, foul shot to get to the free throw line, and and they did a very good shot, a job of making their free throw. Specifically, Rodney Hood, Damian Lillard, and as well Zach Collins doing a good job getting to the free throw line consistently. On the opposite side, though, the Portland Trailblazers used one of the most insane ideas you can think of when it comes to defending the Golden State Warriors and defending specifically the Splash Brothers. Um, whenever they, whenever the Port, whenever Portland um, was faced with a situation where the center of the Golden State Warriors was setting a pick for Clay, for Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, instead of the usual. You have usually two poisons that you must pick. You have to allow the center. Um, you have to allow your, either tell your center to step up onto the shooter and and sort of let him deal with trying to keep uh, uh, trying to keep Steph Curry or Clay Thompson in front of them. Um, and not allowing them to take a good shot, clean shot off, or also letting them drive by this big man center. Or you can take the very big risk. Which uh, of drop of just letting the center stay back and uh, and just giving the open shot to Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Now that sounds like a death nail, right? That sounds like something that you would not do is let the guards of Port of Golden State Warriors shoot. Well, that's actually exactly what Gold what Portland did. Both Zach Collins, both Anis Canner did not step up, and whenever there was a, whenever their the man they were guarding was setting a pick or screen for um one of the shooters for Golden State, consistently Steph Curry was able to get easy three point shots off and consistently easily able to bury it. Whether it seemed to be the plan for the Portland Trailblazers, and Terry Stotts was asked about this later on in the game because it's because it looked so obviously schematic. This was the plan. This was was the idea that they all went to because they consistently went they consistently followed through with this throughout the game and it was consistently lamb it was consistently tortured and 
broken and torn apart by this Golden State Warriors team, mainly because Steph Curry is just such a good three-point shooter, along with Klay Thompson. It's almost as if they're that's what their whole MO is been for the last four years. I, I, I really was confused as to why the Portland Trailblazers, uh, why Terry Stotts made this decision, and it seemed that Damian Lillard was as well. And uh, Terry Stotts supported the idea said that it was his idea and he's going to continue they may continue whether or not they continue it's going to be is going to be something interesting to see for this game too damian lillard himself did criticize his coach in the one of the post in the post game um interviews at questioning why this was the idea why we allowed for him them to shoot and it's going to be interesting to see whether or not this changes whether or not damian lillard can actually does somehow have a say in terms of the in terms of the defensive schemes or whether or not terry stops really does have something up his sleeve whether or not he's just banking on the idea that gold that um stephen curry's uh dislocated finger is going to be more of an issue throughout the series because but i just was not excited by seeing that idea and it really came out to bite them especially in the fourth especially late on that fourth quarter when curry really got it going and blasted it to open the game as we saw this as the, as we saw the golden state warriors win 116 to 94 breaking out to that 22 point lead at the end which is what their highest was 39 points in that fourth quarter which was the highest they had had all game long in terms of quarters the previous highest was 27 in each of the first two quarters so we really did see that while this is while there were defensive issues for Portland throughout this game and through, uh, in terms of their t um in terms of their t um in terms of their techniques and everything, and there was issues for the Portland Trailblazers on their offense, and in terms of C.J. McCollum not able to get going, Damian Lillard not able to get going as efficiently, specifically for these players. Uh, Seth Curry as well was was inefficient in his time, one of seven from the field. Despite these despite these facts, there were some things that they can look at in terms of a silver lining in this game that was good. Rodney Hood came back from his injury that we thought he had a hyperextended knee he came back played well 17 points four of eight from the field two of five from the free from the three-point line seven of seven from the free throw line did pick up what we thought did seem to re-aggravate it and in one sort of um step back uh, attempt uh lost the ball on that it was his only turnover of the game when he lost the ball and sort of collapsed to the ground and thought that maybe he'd re-injured it would be needing to go but he just stayed through it and powered through and played well um for the rest of the game we did notice a good game for all also from Maurice Harkless doing his bit inside the paint, inside the arc, um, crashing the boards, cra uh, slashing to the hoop, should I, I should say, um, and get it, in general hanging around and getting nice easy layups at the rim, um, using his size and using his ability. He did grab also three blocks in his time. Despite so, despite the fact that he had a minus eleven, you would think that he would be one of the worst players on the team in terms of his ability on the court and the fact that he's not really a great three-point shooter. At least he's able to get to make himself useful still, and was for the most part, uh, for the a good portions of this game, the leading scorer for this Portland team. Um, seeing that the fact that they were able to get decent scoring performances and decent contributions from some of their bench players and some of their role players was a positive for this Portland team. I do think that they can take that away. So I, um, for the games ahead, if they're going to be able to try and come into game two and win this game, they really need Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to shoot efficiently. They need these guys to both get about 25 plus points to, in order to keep up with this golden, in order to keep up with this golden state team. And they do need these other performances from the other bench players to keep up with it. With Golden State and get their scoring up, but specific, but mainly, mainly they need more than anything else to stop it with this nonsense of dropping the center back. I 
it'll be if it if it really comes out to being bad if in game two that they step up and canner and zach collins get torched that's what's gonna happen because that's ex or, or rather then it's uh, you gotta let bygones be bygones at that point because then you just gotta say hats off to steph curry hats off to clay thompson but you can't let them take easy open jump shots because that's just letting them basically go through shooting them going through the motions letting them essentially turn this game into a regular season game with open shots and open threes you can't let that happen for portland if that's what's uh in this in game two uh, i think that i really do think they gotta find another you got really gotta find a way to close that off, close those shots up and give the and give canner and give zach Collins their due in terms of giving them the chance to stop, try and stop steph curry and clay thompson from getting to the rim and taking easy shots i understand that that'll be it that is a that is asking for them to just kill and embarrass the big man and that's exactly what I think will happen. And I do think why Golden State will still win game two tonight um, because of the fact that they, they – but that's just more so down to the fact that these players are just too good. This, this team is just too uh, – is just too high quality. And even if that – if they were to crash, then you find the open shooters on the outside. I'd rather have those players like Quinn Cook, like Jonas Jerebko, like Andre Iguodala, like Draymond Green. I'd rather these guys be the players that make the three-point shots make – and be the players that beat portland more so than steph curry because nine times out of ten because i'd say for every game that they that those players will win you this with three-point shot making they will also lose you with three-point shot making and game one you had the really the worst of both worlds for portland not only did stephen curry and clay thompson make their three-point shots but so did quinn cook two or three from downtown so did jonas drebko so did draymond green so did even Alfonso McKinney. You had other players making three-point shots, which is what was making it so difficult and so absurd for Portland, looking at, uh, for Portland fans to look at this game and think, "Wait, how we're supposed to beat this team? We're supposed to play this team that's shooting 50% and 51% from downtown? This is ridiculous." Um, it was really an issue for uh, for this uh, for Portland to deal with, and it really saw it with the ball movement, and really looked beautiful from Golden State. Did grab 30 assists and 13 steals, as we er, as we mentioned before. Um, a fantastic performance from Golden State in that game one, and I'm excited to see if they can if they can um show put that up again in game two. Um, we get we reiterate again that there are two players that are missing from this Golden State team that are rather important in terms of. Uh, contextualizing how good this Golden State team is, um, Kevin Durant will be unlikely to play in Game Two, suppose, uh, um, due to that again that minor calf strain. It's starting starting to look like maybe he just doesn't need to play at all in this series. And Portland can and Golden State will still find a way to win this series rather easily it seems like um and demarcus cousins as well is unlikely to play in game two although it is rumored that he might come back at some point in this series as well as kevin Dur as well as Ke the aforementioned kevin durant um so we excited to see how this game go we got we got one and we have game every other night for the rest of this round um no two-day breaks in between for this east for these conference finals so the games are going to be coming hot and coming quick and i'm excited to see it. i hope you are too that's all we're going to do about for this um episode of the top of the key my name is kenneth Minogue, and until next time until next week deuces let's go